Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. This podcast is designed to hold space for honest conversations. From purity culture to faith, sexuality, relationships, identity, culture, deconstruction, and more. My hope is to look doubt in the face, be curious, seek God, and ask meaningful questions to address any elephant in the room with openness, nuance, and grace. I won't pretend to be an expert and definitely don't have all the answers. And though it may feel easier and more comfortable to exist in the black and white, I invite you to discover God with me in the gray and unexpected spaces. So whoever you are, whatever you do or don't believe, you are welcome here and have a seat at this table. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. So each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And while you're at it, if you feel so inclined, leave us a five-star rating and written review. It would be so helpful to get our message out there. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and special shout out and thank you to Newsstand Studio here at Rock Center in New York City. Thank you so much for producing this podcast. It would not be a reality without y'all. You can follow them along on Twitter at Rock Center NYC or Instagram at Rockefeller Center. Also, I want to invite you to join my Patreon community. Recently, I have been researching out the wazoo about the history of LGBTQ plus issues and the church, specifically as it pertains to evangelicalism and church in America. And also just what does the Bible say about all this stuff? And so I am reading books on every side of the theological perspective and argument when it comes to LGBTQ plus issues. And I am doing book reviews on my Patreon community about all the books that I am reading during my research. So head on over there to join. In addition to that, I am also doing this kind of new series on Patreon, some vlogs. I've never done a vlog before, so have grace with me. I just launched a recent one, I think a week or two ago, on what my life looks like in New York City. So I have been a full-time photographer for 15 years. I run all over New York City, LA, and everywhere in between shooting on a weekly basis. And I just wanted to give you a window into what my world actually looks like. So I did 20 hours in New York City and filmed it for you. And then this week on Patreon, I am doing two days in LA. I recently had a photo shoot for the designer Monique Lulier, And so I'm chronicling that. So if you want to check out Patreon, Patreon is just where all of my most raw, unedited conversations are happening on my corner of the interwebs. So go on over to patreon.com slash the refined collective. So head on over there to join. We are supported by Satya Jewelry. I am such a fan of dainty, delicate, and feminine jewelry. I also am a firm believer that the physical is always an invitation to the spiritual. This is why I'm so excited to be partnering with New York City female-founded jewelry company, Satya Jewelry. Satya means truth in Sanskrit. And Satya Jewelry has been creating inspiring, spiritual, and intentional jewelry since 2002. 
Satya Jewelry creates beautiful spiritual pieces using sacred and meaningful symbols and semi-precious gemstones renowned for their healing properties. Cast in sterling silver and 18 gold plate, each Satya Jewelry design is created to bring joy, peace, and hope as a celebration of all backgrounds. I am currently wearing the Eternal Seeker Choker Necklace. It's so feminine. I love it so much. It's gold-plated with these beautiful Labradorite gems throughout. And the intention behind the gemstone is imagination, perseverance, and truth, which I know I could use some more of that in my life, y'all. In partnership with the Satya Foundation, Satya Jewelry has helped raise over $1 million in donations to help empower and support children worldwide through social and economic initiatives. To dive into the beautiful world of Satya Jewelry, visit www.satyajewelry.com and use promo code RC15 for 15% off your first order. That's www.satya jewelry.com with promo code RC15. And now on to today's episode. Today, I am doing a solo show based off questions that you sent me on Instagram. And I would love to do more of these episodes. So if you want to submit your questions to me for another solo show, go ahead and email social at therefinedwoman.com, that's social as in social media, at therefinedwoman.com with the subject line, Ask Cat. So every Monday, I do Mentor Mondays. So if you follow me on Instagram, usually Sunday night or Monday morning, I'll post a little video, Mentor Monday, Ask Me Anything, and I answer anywhere between 10 and 15 questions that you send in. But here's the hard thing about them is you send me really freaking hard questions, and I really try to answer your question in 15 seconds because that's what Instagram allows me to do on those question responses. And I think it's good to do that sometimes because it helps me to really think about what I want to say and say it succinctly. But with most things, most questions need more time and need more questions thrown back at the question. And so I thought, you know what, why don't I take that Mentor Monday, turn it into a podcast episode and answer some of the questions that you sent me. So here we go. I have a whole list here. We'll see how many we can get through. And yeah, let's just go ahead and start. Are you ready? I mean, I'm just sitting here talking to myself in a little podcast cubicle. So I hope you are ready. Oh, here's the one thing I did want to say is for most of these, I'm not seeing the question for the first time as I'm recording, but I really wanted to have you hear my external process on most of these questions in the moment as opposed to really dotting all my I's and crossing all my T's before answering them? It's just me in the raw and the honest. I will say there is one question that I really looked into just because it was a Bible verse. I didn't just want to like speak out of my ass on that one. <laughs> so other than that, this is my first time really seeing these. So here we go. First question is from Jacqueline and she says, thoughts on cosmetic surgery. Is it ungodly for me or am I not loving the body God gave me if I do cosmetic surgery? First of all, great question. Definitely questions that I have thought 
you may already know that I get Botox. And that's something that I struggled with admitting for a long time or even doing for a long time. I actually have an episode called Babies, Botox, and Body Image that we'll link here in the show notes. I think in an ideal world, I would say, you know what? I want to be the type of human, the type of woman who doesn't feel enslaved to the body standards of our culture and embraces gray hair and embraces the wrinkles on my face and ages well and ages gracefully. And I think that's ideally where I would say like where I want to be. I don't think most things in it of themselves are ungodly. I think it's the heart posture with which we approach them. So am I looking for these fillers or these surgeries to fix something that I feel is broken in me? Do I think that these things will be the answer, the antidote to me being worthy of love? Well, then guess what? That's not ever going to happen. I'm going to constantly be chasing an elusive carrot that is never going to be reachable because I am looking for something other than God to answer the question within me of, am I worthy? Am I worthy of love? Am I lovable? Do I have the right to be here? Do I have the right to take space up in this world? Do I have the permission to be the human that God has created me to be? So when we're looking for anything else outside of our identity and who God has created us to be to answer those questions, I think there is a misguided attempt to find identity. On the flip side of that, I think that there's a part of me that is so grateful for cosmetic surgery. I have a dear friend that was in a plane accident and her face really hurt and beat up in this plane crash. And thank God for cosmetic surgery that allowed her to get a prosthetic eye and helped heal some of the scars on her face. For another friend who broke their nose, I'm so grateful that cosmetic surgery is available for her to have a fixed nose. For people who really suffer with migraines, thank God that there's cosmetic surgery that offers Botox to decrease migraine symptoms. So I think technology is a blessing. Again, it's the heart with which we approach it. Now, what's the heart with which I'm approaching it? I'm approaching it as being a human being in process. I wish that I was 100% like, I totally don't care. Yes, I'm going to embrace that gray hair. I have friends that do it. And honestly, I think it's probably the most Southern thing about me. I am so into anti-aging skincare and that I don't want gray hair. There's not much about me that is Southern. And I'll be the first to admit it. Most of my family is like, how in the world did you grow up in Texas your whole life? You barely sound Southern. But I remember when I moved to New York City, one of the first things I noticed is that women wore way less makeup there. Women had way less cosmetic surgery there that I saw. And women let their hair go gray. I thought, oh my gosh, what is happening? It felt freeing, but also scary. And I realized, oh, I am from Dallas, Texas, where every woman has fake tan, fake boobs, fake eyelashes, hair extensions, Botox, like lip fillers, everything. And as much as I rebelled against that and didn't think that impacted me, there are subtle ways that that has seeped into the fabric of who I am and, and how I consider beauty. And I will say, for me, 
I ultimately decided to start getting Botox. This was, I think, three or four years ago because you know what? I was like, you know, I would just feel a little better about myself and I would feel prettier. And if I got some Botox on my forehead, I played tennis my whole life. Often people think I'm five to 10 years older than I am because of the sun damage on my face. And I just was like, I just want to look my age. I just want to look my age. So I started getting Botox a couple years ago. And you know what? I really love it. In an ideal perfect world, I would be totally comfortable in my skin and not feel like I needed to have that to be worthy or have a seat at the table. Yet, you know what? Here I am. I am in the middle. I am in process. I am on a journey. Am I having healthy reasons for doing anti-aging? Sure. I want to take care of the vessel and the temple that God has given me. Do I have unhealthy reasons as well? Sure. And I think that's probably most of us. So those are my thoughts on cosmetic surgery. I think it's nuanced like most things in life. I think most things in it of themselves are not bad or wrong or black and white or binary or evil or good, but it's our heart with intention with which we approach it. So I hope that is supportive to you, Jacqueline. All right. Katie says, Guy asked for my Instagram, then stopped talking to me a few days later. Do I unfollow? Okay, I laugh when I read this question because this has happened to me so many times. In fact, online with the online dating apps, you can connect your social media or Instagram on a lot of the apps, and I don't do that. For me personally, I don't do it because I have 60,000 plus followers on Instagram. I talk about sexuality, spirituality, dating, relationship coaching, and to be frank, for me, it feels a little bit like TMI. And I want someone to get to know me in person outside of who I am on the internet. I'm not saying I'm a different person on the internet, but it is my job. It almost feels like this unfair advantage of, I know Zach's three favorite books and where he grew up and how old he is. And he knows literally everything about me. Like he could, if he wanted, read my book, listen to my entire podcast and know my stances on a ton of theological things before we meet in person. And I just would rather meet someone in person first. Now, that being said, I met a guy a couple months ago. I was actually out on a hike and we met and he literally asked me out on the spot. I gave him my number We texted, we had made plans to have a picnic that following week, and then he asks for my Instagram. And it honestly felt like a big turnoff. What I felt in that moment was that perhaps he didn't really fully remember what I looked like. He was really just wanting to see if I was attractive enough for him. Granted, that may not be the reason why people ask for more pictures or for someone's social media handle. I don't know. For me, it puts a bad taste in my mouth. That's like, dude, you asked me out. Do you think I'm cute or not? Did you feel like there was a connection or not? Like, why do you need to see my social media? Now, if you have asked someone for their social media for different reasons, let me know. Like, slide me a little DM and I would love to hear your thoughts. But I thought, you know what? What the heck? I never do this. The question feels a little offensive to me. You know, what do I have to lose here besides my dignity? So I actually ended up sending him my Instagram. 
well, first actually asked for his, and then his was private, which I was like, dude, totally not fair. You want to see my public account, and then yours is private? So I kind of was giving him a hard time. Like, I don't follow guys on social media that I don't really know, but whatever. I ended up following him, shared my Instagram with him, and it freaked him out. (laughs) Like He was instantly texting me like, I don't know if it's a good idea if we go on a date. I don't think we should meet up. I don't know if we're on the same page about some stuff. And I looked at his Instagram and I was like, dude, you like way under delivered. There was like no pictures of him. I was like, basically from your social media, I found out that you do pottery classes sometimes and you went to Iceland five years ago. And kind of point in case he like got all this information about me. Long story short, we end up going on a date. It was actually a really fun date. And then I legit never heard from him again. And honestly, I think one of the main reasons is because of my social media. We had a great time in person. And so just recently, I think it was like a week or so ago, I was like, oh yeah, I'm still following that dude. And he like ghosted me after that date and he's still following me on Instagram. So I unfollowed him and then I blocked him from my account. All that to say, Katie, to answer your question, I am so sorry that this guy asked for your Instagram and then stopped talking to you a few days later. I would say, yeah, unfollow them. Like, You don't need to be following up with some stranger on the internet who is uninterested in making an actual plan with you. So yeah, boy, bye. See you later. I remember just this scene from He's Not That Into You, which I freaking love that movie. It's one of those movies like Valentine's Day or New Year's Eve where there's a ton of different storylines and like big old celebrities in there. Jennifer Aniston, Ben Affleck, Bradley Cooper, Scarlett Johansson. But the main character, one of the things that happens to her is she's like thirsty for love. And she is on this date with this guy and he's like, I can't you know, chat for the next few days. I'm going to be out of touch. And so she runs to the bathroom and calls her guy friend and is like, is this like a red flag? Like, what should I do? And he's like, what? Is he going to like the moon? Why is he going to be unreachable? Like, no, get out, leave. Like for a guy just to stop talking to you, we have phones that can talk all across the world. So if someone's interested in you, they're going to reach out to you. And if they've stopped talking to you, then... Just cut your losses. All right. Abby says that she is preparing for engagement and marriage, but both are deconstructing. Feels like I should have things figured out before. So not so much a question, but a scenario. And here's the thing. Deconstructing is tough. Clearly, I am deconstructing so much of my faith right now, and I'm doing a lot of that on a public platform, but a lot of it I'm doing privately, and there's a lot that I'm going through that you will may never even know about. And in that, it does make dating complicated, or it can make dating complicated, but I do think that this scenario is a huge reason why I'm such an advocate for looking at the whole person outside of, do they have the label of Christianity? Do we share the same faith? Now, do I want to be with someone that shares my faith? Yes, 100%, but We just don't know what God's going to do. We don't know when God is going to do it. And we don't know what choices 
we are going to make, what choices they are going to make. I cannot tell you how many friends that I have that have gotten married and one of the spouses has deconstructed or walked away from their faith and they're still happily married. I also can't tell you how many pastors I know from even just this one particular church that I was involved in for years where the pastor married their spouse when that person wasn't a Christian, which, you know, in church culture is like such a big no-no, right? And then at some point, their spouse became a Christian, and now they're both pastors of these churches. And and that's just not one couple. I know many couples where that is the story. All that to be said, I think we love to make dating and dating advice, especially in Christian culture in the church, this really black and white binary experience of you have to both be Christians, you have to be equally yoked spiritually on all those things. And like, I understand that and I do think that's wisdom, but we're also disregarding like what it means at a heart level. And that's why I say, look at the whole person. Okay, so you're deconstructing. Welcome to the club. So am I. I'm asking huge questions about the LGBTQ community in the church. I was always taught my whole life that if you are gay, like you're either going to hell or you're not going to hell, but you are definitely, you have to be celibate your entire life or else like you are not welcome to the church club. I've never researched that deeply for myself from a whole bunch of other angles. So I'm doing that right now. That's part of the deconstruction journey. Deconstruction is just saying, how did I get here? Why did I get here? Is this aligned with my values? Is this actually aligned with truth? If it isn't, what is true? How do I find truth? And it can be super disorienting and disillusioning as you start unpacking those questions as anyone who is deconstructing can validate to say, whoa, this one question actually is bringing out a hundred more questions. So to answer Abby's scenario, I feel like I should have things figured out before I get married. Guess what? The human condition is that change is constant. Like probably for the rest of your life, your faith, your beliefs, your values are going to be evolving. And that's a good thing. I think we should always be evolving and have a posture that we approach life with as a posture of curiosity, a posture of humility. So what I am looking for in a partner, regardless if they are deconstructing or if they are just like 1000% solid in their faith and I'm the wobbly one, or maybe I'm 1000% solid and they're wobbly and figuring some things out is, is this person humble? Is this person willing to grow? How committed to their growth are? How committed to the questions are? Are they stuck in anger? Are they stuck in denial? Or are they truly seeking to move towards wholeness, to move towards reconstruction, to move towards rebuilding life, faith, values, these deep existential life questions that are hard? I think part of the reason why so many millennials are myself included, are deconstructing right now is we were given flattened one-dimensional answers to questions that theologians and deep, deep thinkers and the smartest people in the world have been asking since the dawn of time. 
And many of these questions feel unanswerable because some of them are and some of them aren't even about the answer, but learning to live in the mystery and the gray. And when you've been brought up to believe that everything is black and white, the gray can feel really scary and hard. So as opposed to having everything figured out before you move on with your life, what would it look like for you, for me, for us to move forward slowly, step by step, breath by breath in the gray and in the nuance and in the doubts and in the questions and some of the disillusionment? I would ask you, what are you afraid of happening and getting married to someone when you both are asking these hard questions? What's the worst case scenario? Is this a person you can accept wholeheartedly without an agenda? Because the reality is, is you guys could be 1000% solid in your you know, faith right now. And then six years down the road, they could decide, you know what? I don't believe in God anymore. That happened to one of my best friends and their marriage. And like, so do you divorce that person? Or you truly are, you truly committed till death do you part in that. We're constantly going to be changing and evolving. And I think the important part is, yeah, wisdom says if you can be in alignment on that faith and those values from the outset, that is great. It's going to save you a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of confusion down the road. However, is this a person you can trust? Is this someone that has integrity? Is this someone that is kind? Is this someone that you can move through hard seasons with? Is this someone that you can be completely and utterly and honestly yourself with and vice versa? What is it to look at the whole person outside of this one label that they may or may not identify with at this time? This might not be like the pulpit answer that you are looking for, but I think it's like a real answer. So much of my faith is, it's like, I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I believe in God. I I love scripture. And then I'm also seeing a lot of problems right now. A lot of things that are really hard for me. A lot of things that I'm realizing I can't really accept anymore. And so how do I find someone? How do I date within that? Well, it's hard. But guess what? Being human is hard. And it's not about going through this life in perfection, but in humility with a posture of curiosity, having grace for myself, for others to be human as well. So those are some thoughts there, Abby. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've done therapy off and on for years, and I started seeing a therapist again last year to process through some old trauma along with anxiety and depression I was experiencing. I can honestly say I'm a different person than I was a year ago. I am such an advocate for therapy, which makes me so excited to partner with BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. And their service is available for clients worldwide, which means millions of people have access to professional help at their fingertips. And here's the awesome thing is it's affordable and accessible. And if money is an issue, there's financial aid opportunities with BetterHelp. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. 
You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if and when needed. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit betterhelp.com slash refined. That's betterhelp.com slash refined and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for the Refined Collective listeners to get 10% off your first month. So go ahead and go to betterhelp.com slash refined. Did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown out every year? And each bottle can be made of more than 90% water. Let's stop wasting water and throwing out more plastic. Get Blue Land's revolutionary refill cleaning system instead. Blue Land was founded on the belief that a cleaner planet starts at home. Buy the bottle once, refill it forever. No more plastic waste. Just fill Blue Land's beautiful bottles with warm water, pop in one of the hand soap or spray cleaner tablets, and within minutes, you have powerful and effective cleaning products with incredible scents like rose bergamot and lily mint. Blue Land also offers laundry and dishwasher tabs as well. Their bottles start at just $10 when you buy a kit and are meant to be reused forever with refill tablets that start at just $2. And listen, I've used clean products that you're like, uh, is this really cleaning my dishes or clothes? Because they still stink or have residue. You know, I'm all about clean living, but I also want my things to actually be clean. So cut the plastic waste without sacrificing clean. Get Blue Land. You'll love it and the planet will thank you. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash refined. That's 15% off your first order of any products Blueland offers at blueland.com slash refined. I have a question from Marie. It's actually Nija Marie. I hope I am saying your name correctly. They gave me a verse, 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. And then the question is, how to obey this without falling into legalism? And what does it look like in dating? So I'm going to read this passage. This is 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 
He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. All right. So first things first, Hermeneutics 101, which is basically how do you study the Bible 101, is before a passage is meant for me today in 2021, we have to take into account who was this passage written to? When was it written? Who wrote it? What was going on culturally at that time? This passage out of context isn't just to be taken and be slapped on our lives. Honestly, a really self-centered way of viewing scripture. It's it's saying like, this is all about me. Well, actually, no, like Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, as it says in 1 Peter 1, 1, is speaking and this is in 1, 1, and 2, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Okay, so this letter, this calling to be holy is for people who are Christians, elect exiles, so people who are Christians who have been exiled, who have been kicked out of their towns in dispersion of Pontus, and those who are in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So I would just say before we take a text out of context, we really have to look at who was this text for and why was it for them? Now, can we glean invitations of wisdom from this passage? Sure. But, you know, one of the first things I see in here is they even repeat it. Oh my gosh, where are we? Verse number 17. It is addressing the time of your exile. So again, Peter's making it clear like this call is for a specific people at a specific time. Now, the general tone of the 13 through 25 passage that Nija sent is a calling to be holy, a calling as verse 22 says, to love one another earnestly with a pure heart. And earnest means wholehearted. So to love someone from the inside out, love others, be sacrificial, be servant-minded, put others' needs before yours. So she says, how do I obey this without falling into legalism? I won't even say obey. I feel like there's an invitation here of holiness. And what does it mean to be holy? I think what it means to be holy is not to be perfect. Like no human can be perfect. I think it's as much as I can and all that I do say, think, or be, stay connected to God, myself, and others. How can I do that? How can I be that? not expecting perfection, but expecting humanity. Like I am a human. One of my friends, Manuel Reyes on his podcast, Nights of the Roundtable, him and Brandon and Angela talk all the time about how they think, you know, Jesus walked this earth perhaps to show us less what it is like to be God, but what is it like to be human? What was Jesus like when Jesus walked this earth? Jesus, instead of doing what legalism said, legalism said to stone the adulterer to death, but relationship 
offers acceptance, love, grace, and dignity. That's what Jesus did. Legalism said you can't heal on the Sabbath. That's against the rules. But Jesus did it anyways. Why? Because it was helping those who were disenfranchised. Jesus led with his heart. Jesus had pure motives. Jesus was always looking out for the oppressed. Jesus had good boundaries. Jesus was the ultimate human that was for others and for relationship and for reconciliation and redemption and offering hope. So how do we as humans— be and embody that? Well, first we reject legalism. What does that look like in dating? Man, I think what letting go of legalism is saying like everything is black and white. Legalism says don't touch his butt or you he can touch your boobs, but you can't go below the belt, but only on Tuesdays you can have sleepovers. Like that's legalism. Legalism says sex is just one act. So have all the oral sex you want or the anal sex you want, but no vaginal penetration. And then you'll keep your virginity. Like that's legalism. Relationship says, how can I set myself up for success so that I can be my word to myself and give informed and enthusiastic consent, whatever my sexual ethic is? How can I stay connected to God, myself, and others? Because what is sin other than an action, thought, or circumstance that separates me from God, others, and myself? I think the invitation of holiness says, how can I love myself well? How can I love my future well, God well, and this other person in dating well? Relationship is being willing to dive into conversation and nuance and gray, whereas legalism says it is all black and white. It is this or that. So how do we take 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25 to heart? Well, first we say, who wrote this? Why did they write it? Who did they write it to? What was happening culturally? This passage was written to a group of Christians several thousand years ago who were being exiled and were very new Christians, had very new ideas of what it meant to be a follower of Christ and were working that out. Now, there is wisdom that we can glean from that 1,000%. Like, yes, let's be holy. Yes, like, I think the part of that passage that I love the most is, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Like, be on guard. Our mindset helps create our reality. What you think, you become. So prepare your mind for action. Prepare your mind that there are gonna be hard things coming your way and you get to make a choice with how you show up in the world. Be sober-minded. Be realistic. Don't be caught in fantasy world in your life. Set your hope fully on the grace of Jesus. That's verse 13. Set your hope. How do you obey this? This is an invitation of hope. This is an invitation of saying, man, life might be hard or dating might be hard, but the more ultimate reality says that hope is my legacy. Hope is my portion. Stay connected to hope. Live mindfully and intentionally and not perfectly. All right. I have time for about maybe one or two more questions. Emery says, what do you wish we knew about you that social media doesn't show? Wow. Well, first of all, so many things. I mean, 
life is hard. I've said it multiple times in this episode, being human is hard. These past few years, like you, have been so hard for you. They've been so hard for me. I've talked about the family issues that I've been going through with my dad's recent relapses and drug addiction in the last few years, but I've experienced so much grief and heartache then I can hardly even put into words. I have dated and fumbled and self-sabotaged dating relationships in the past few years. I have dated and thought that I was so over my past only to realize how much work I still have to do. It's humbling to publicly be a relationship coach or this expert and then realize in my own personal life as I'm dating, like, oh my gosh, I am so terrified of love. I am so scared of getting hurt. I still am expecting this guy that I'm dating to blow up my life the way my dad did when I was a kid. So I am treating this guy like he's my dad and that's not fair. Like, hello, daddy issues. I thought I dealt with that 10 years ago. So, gosh, what do I wish you knew about me? That I am, I'm not an expert. (laughs) I am trying to figure out life and God and faith and the Bible and dating and love and my future, just like you are. And you get to see like 1% of my life, like 1% of it, and a percent that I choose to let you see. So I think what I wish you knew about me that media doesn't show. Like, man, I know I can seem confident and I have a lot to say. I have a lot of opinions. Like that is very true. But I'm also, I feel like I am, I'm Julia Roberts in Notting Hill right now. Like I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Like I'm just a girl trying to figure it out who happens to have a public platform and talk about a lot of this stuff online. But I'm just trying to figure out this life too. And I am fumbling my way forward. And I say things I regret. I do things I regret. I don't have it all together. I question what I'm doing for a living all the time. My constant joke is that I'm going to throw away my phone and the internet and my social media and podcast and everything and open a yoga retreat center in Costa Rica or something. But I'm just trying to figure it out. I'll be gracious with you if you be gracious with me. All right, last question. So this is kind of in line with the other question is, do you fear changing your mind on a topic, especially given your platform as a teacher? Yes, 1,000%. In fact, as I was writing my book, Sexless in the City, I was terrified. I felt like one of the biggest hindrances in me writing this book was, oh my gosh, what if I changed my mind? What if I don't end up saving myself until marriage? What if I have sex before marriage? What if it's like oops in the moment? Or what if I just decide I don't want to do this anymore? Like what if in 10 years from now, I look back at this and am so ashamed of it? What if I am leading people astray? And, you know, believe you me, enough of you have DM'd me, emailed me, blasted me on social media and the internet telling me I'm a heretic and I am leading people astray. But just so you know, like that's the stuff that keeps me up at night. 
Like, am I adding more shame where shame has already been such a liar and a thief to so many of us? Am I going to wake up one day like Joshua Harris did 20 years down the road and think, oh my gosh, my greatest life's work is the work that has been so damaging to millions and millions of people? Like, that terrifies me. And yet, am I allowed to be human? Do I have the permission to be figuring it out? Do I have the permission to change? Like, holy cow, the me 10 years ago would definitely think the me today is not a Christian. In fact, like, I remember saying to a friend when my book came out, like, what if I'm not a Christian anymore? And then in the next breath, I said, what if I'm the most authentic Christian that I've ever been in my life in this moment? And which is right and which is true? Because the me 10 years ago would think, oh my gosh, she drinks alcohol and she cusses and, you know, she is questioning all this stuff or deconstructing her faith. We need to pray for her salvation. And the other part of me in all of this mess has felt God so sweet and close and intimate in a way that I can hardly even explain or put words to. And it doesn't fit the mold of evangelical culture. It doesn't, it's not very preachable. And so, yeah, I fear changing my mind on a topic. And I feel like the invitation for me in that is like, in in anything that I share, can I share it from a posture of humility? Like what I say isn't thus says the Lord. It's just not. How I am interpreting the scriptures, like, I'm not God. Even the scripture that I just unpacked, like, I might be wrong. Like, don't take my word for it. Like, you do your own work. Like, if you listen to this podcast or read my book or go to my workshop and you just accept everything as I say as gospel truth and don't do any of your own work, don't do any of your own research, your own seeking, then, man, have I failed you. I hope if anything, what my life shows you is like a picture of what it looks like to ask hard questions and doubt and fumble your way forward and up and down and back and forth and left and right and invite Jesus and God and Holy Spirit and community into that space. Years ago, right when I graduated college, I was driving up the PCH from San Diego to LA with one of my friends, Jen. And I laugh looking back at how much turmoil I was in back then. I was 22 years old and I remember saying to her, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? And like, what is God calling me to do? I was jobless, I was broke, I didn't have a car. (laughs) I could hardly pay for my rent. And she looks over to me and she goes, the only consistent thing in your entire life is gonna be change. And I was like, no, I thought like after college, you got your life together. It was like, you graduate college, you get married, you have a job, you have babies, you have a mortgage. And she goes, no, the only thing that's promised to us is first that like, you know, God is good, (laughs) but that change is constant. So if change is constant in every other area of our lives, do we have the courage to also believe that change could be constant within us as well? 
that perhaps what I believed five years ago politically isn't what I believed now, and that might not necessarily be bad. And what was a hill I died on 10 years ago, some of those hills are the same hills I die on, but some of them have shifted. And maybe 10 years from now, I'll look back and say, wow, isn't it so funny I still believed that thing? Or man, I was really on the wrong side of the road about X, Y, Z. I hope that happens. I always have the posture in my life that I could be wrong. I'm human and I have limited wisdom. So yeah, do I fear changing my mind on a topic because I have a public platform? Yeah, but that's fear. The human part of me says, yeah, of course. I'm human, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna blow things up, I'm gonna mess up, but I'm gonna also get some things really right. So that's enough of my rants. There are more questions, but I will save them for next time. If you liked this episode and you want more Ask Cat solo shows where you send questions, please let us know. You can email social at therefinedwoman.com, subject line, ask Cat. Give feedback about this episode, send other questions you want, or give us a shout out on Instagram at The Refined Woman or at The Refined Collective and let us know what you thought of this episode. I adore you. I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your heart. I'm grateful for your questions. I'm grateful that you even want to ask me them. Like, who am I to answer these? But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Until next week. Talk to you soon.